All right, welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Tigers Today podcast. It is April 20th, 2023, the 111th birthday of Tiger Stadium and uh, the 44th birthday for me. But uh, that's <laughs> Tiger Stadium's uh, it's held up a little better than I have, at least the site they currently have. Um, Chris McCoskey is heading to Baltimore uh, to cover the Orioles and Tigers this weekend. Then he'll be on to Milwaukee. He'll join us again next week, but uh, filling in. Is uh for Chris is a real treat for us. Uh, Dan Petrie, former Tigers pitcher and current analyst for Bally Sports Detroit. Dan, appreciate you taking some time today. No problem. It's always good uh, talking baseball with you, Tony. We've had several chats in the past, and uh, I think it's been a while, so it's time that we get uh, we get caught up. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate it. Um, rare off day for you too, so I'm sure you're enjoying that. Um, well, let's first let's just start the Tigers. Got off, we all know, to a horrible start. Two and nine. Uh, things were looking bleak. We knew that this team was going to have its issues. It, it is a, it, it's it, Scott Harris doesn't like to use the term rebuild, but for all intents and purposes, under him, him in his first year, it is a rebuild of sorts. So we knew that there were going to be some rough goes of it this year. But uh, the Tigers kind of caught some people by, at least me. Caught us by surprise a little bit. Five-game winning streak. Uh, it ended yesterday to the Guardians. Um, even though they put up a fight again, down 3 nothing, come back, make it 3-2, gave it a shot in the ninth inning. Um, good things to see. But um, what's uh, I, I guess what are some of the biggest observations and highlights you've taken out of this five-game winning streak? Well, I, I think the biggest thing was when the, the club's record was 2-9, and nine, you know, you're just 11 games in and you're saying, you know, they, they can't continue this. I mean, um, it would be an extremely long season if they continued to play that way. And they started playing better baseball. And that's exactly what AJ Hinch was talking about is we're, we're not going to beat anybody by playing the way the kind of baseball we're playing right now. And we need to play better and we need to do a lot of things better. And they started to do a lot of things better. Their starting pitching was better. The bullpen, which was kind of spotty, you know, to start the season really now has been, I, I mean, a, a strength like it was last year almost. Several guys are starting to fit in and 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 pitch very very well. The offense, you know, the walk offs um, done in a couple of different manners too. You know, one game they were winning the entire way, then it was tied up, and you know that could have been demoralizing. But they they won that in a walk off. The very next day they got down uh, early, and they could have said, ah, you know what, we'll get them tomorrow but they kept pecking away and ended up tying the game and winning that on a walk-off. So there's a lot of things that uh, that you're finding out about this team. And I always just kind of knock on wood a little bit too, is let's try so far they've been semi, you know, dodging the, the injury bug, although Matt Manning, you know, unfortunately was hit, but you know, if they can start keeping people healthy, and some of these starters that they've been very gentle with start getting deeper into games. Um, you know, they may continue this, but uh, they're just playing good baseball. And and AJ even says, we can play better. And you know that he and the coaching staff are going to continue to put the pedal to the metal and continue working to, to make this team better in every aspect. Right. They, they certainly, I mean, they certainly can play better. I mean, even during the winning streak, you're still not saying the offense necessarily blow the doors off people, although they've had some timelier hitting 
in the in the five game winning streak than they had early in the season. But uh, you know, look, something happened the day before this winning streak started, and I don't know how much credence we put into all of a sudden the team turns things around. But it was a big story in Toronto, and uh, Javi Baez didn't run out of the out of the box on his double, uh, and then forgot how many outs there were. He thought it was he thought it was the third out even though he was the second batter up in the inning, which I think is kind of funny. Um, but anyway, you know, it, was, it wasn't a good look, especially a day after Matt Beerling goes into second. He doesn't slide. Um, Eric Haas had the base running issue. It was sloppy early. I think we can agree on that. Two and nine start, there was a lot of sloppiness to it. A.J. Hinch took a stand in the game against Toronto. He pulled Javi Baez, his most expensive player, his biggest name, out of the lineup. Kind of made an example of him. Um which I thought was very interesting. I thought maybe it was something that needed to be done. I respected that Javi Baez was in the clubhouse after the game to talk to the reporters when he could have been on the team plane ready to go home and could have skipped that conversation. It was very interesting. And then all of a sudden, they win five games in a row. Javi Baez shows some life at the plate. I don't think we can attribute everything that's gone on in this five-game winning streak to this moment by A.J. Hinch, but I think it was in a lot of ways a defining moment. Um, you know, some people compare it to Jim Leland in 2006 when the Tigers got off that bad start. They had that bad day game at Comerica Park. He went off on them. They went on the West Coast, and then the rest is history in 2006. I wouldn't go that far because I don't think this team's quite to that level. But it was a defining moment. At least I think it was. And I'm just curious what your take on that was um, from A.J. Hinch kind of making a stand early in this season. Yeah, I. you know, Tony, you, you cut out briefly there, but I heard most of it. And I know it's uh, – Javi Baez question, and I, I think it's definitely something that that needed to be done. And if it wasn't done, I, I just wonder what the reaction would have been from the 25 other guys on the team if they looked at that and said, whoa, wait a minute, you know, um, that's one of our guys that we're, we're putting a lot of, uh, you know, we're hoping that he puts up some big numbers. I mean, he's, he's supposed to carry a lot of this offense. He's a dynamic player on both sides of the ball. And, and if AJ didn't do anything there, I, you know, I think a lot of players would have, would have, you know, like, Hey, wait a minute, you know, where, where does that put me and where does that put everybody else? So I, I think AJ had to do it. Um, and, and I agree with you. I don't know that it's really that defining moment, um, you know, that will, will turn, turn around like it did with the 2006 Tigers. Um, but I don't think there's any doubt that it, that it shook the ball club up a little bit. You know, it was, um, you could see it on AJ's face. Every, I'll never forget in Tampa, the way the season started. I mean, the look on his face was just, you know, just you felt so bad for him because of the way they were playing and how bad they were beaten. And now that they've started winning, you can see it in his face, just how proud he is and how excited he is about this team. So it, it, it was one of those moves that, that had to be done, and it was done professionally too. You know what? He didn't embarrass Javi Baez by saying anything to him in front of the rest of the team in the dugout. He just professionally called him down into the tunnel, you know, quietly said, Hey, this is what I have to do. And I'm sure Javi Baez understood it. And anytime that this has ever happened to a player, it does them a world of good. And we're starting to see a different hobby Baez at the plate, there's always going to be chase there. There always is just, that's the kind of player he is. Um, something that's, that Scott Harris always preaches about controlling the strike zone. And you're going to hear that after every game, 
um, that A.J. Hinch in his press games uh, conferences and his pregame conferences control the strike zone. And you're starting to see that from Javi Baez. But I think it did the team good and it did Javi Baez good. Yeah, I would agree. I, I honestly think that because, again, A.J. could have done that the day before with Matt Verling or Eric Haas, um, you know, two younger guys. And, um, you know, it would have it would have sent a message. But I think you know, it, not every manager, I don't think in baseball would would do what he did um, with Javi Baez. I mean, when you have a star player like that, I mean, I don't know what's your experience. You, you were around the game a long time. I mean, you know, Sparky Anderson used to admit it that, you know, he treated the stars differently than he treated the other players because they're the stars. Well, I, I remember, um, and, and I, I can't remember the exact the, the player's name, uh, but it's happened a couple times this year. Um, at once in St. Louis, um, there was a benching by the player coming around third base where um, he kind of jogged and ended up getting thrown out at uh, at third base. And then there was another there was another incident, um, and, and I can't recall exactly who it was. Might have been uh, not maybe this year, but uh, Ronald Acuna was benched, um, I think, after hitting a home run or something like that by uh, um, in Atlanta. And, you know, I, I think that uh, it, it, it's – so it's not an isolated incident. And Sparky – I saw Sparky do it uh, a couple of times, and it, nobody knew about it, but we knew about it, and he just did it the same way. He'd call them in their office, but, you know, you could hear – you could hear the voices, you know, the loud voices coming out of that closed door meeting. You knew what was going on. And um, although the press or, you know, uh, the fans didn't know about it, but we knew about it. And, um, and those players always came out better for it. So what players were those? <laughs> yeah, you know, I can't tell you that. <laughs> well, I, I, wouldn't want to, yeah. I wouldn't embarrass them. Right. I wouldn't embarrass those guys by uh, saying that but you know I I don't know that um, yeah there were there were certain times where you might feel like like a manager is showing um, I wouldn't say favoritism but you know um, maybe just treating them with the respect that they've earned right right no that's interesting I I did think it was I was kind of curious how the hobby thing was going to go down because he got taken out of the game. There's speculation on why did he get taken out of the game? Cause he wasn't taken out of the game right away. He came out and played defense. So I was curious what was going to be said afterward. And I, I was pretty impressed that AJ came out and flat out said what it was, um, why he did it. And again, you know, hobby's taking a lot of crap here and, uh, in this town. He's off to a tough start on his contract. He makes a lot of money, but again, there are athletes who would have ditched out of that locker room before the press got there. And he didn't do that. Uh, he stuck around. He answered the questions. He, you know, he asked, answered all the questions and he came out and he said, look, I agree with what AJ Hinch did. He's the manager. He has the right to make the decision. He made the right call. I was impressed that Javi did that. Absolutely. You got it right there. And that'll give you an idea or an inner look into Javi Baez's uh, soul right there. And it's it's easy to, after a game, to face the, the media and the questions when you're four for four with a couple of home runs and you make a, a couple of uh, startling plays in, in the field. That, that's easy to do. 
But you know, now now answer all those questions when you you boot one that cost you the game and you struck out four times and you go off into the trainer's room and hide. You know, I mean, I I haven't seen that yet, and that's what shows a character of a player. Um, even uh, that I don't know if it was that game or not, but even Trey Wingenter, you know, the same thing had came in to close that game out and faced three hitters and lost his control and everything. He didn't hide from anybody. He says, "Hey, he sucked it up, and he was right there in front of everybody, and just said, hey, this this game is on me. I th- this is on me.' And and that shows a lot of character rather than, hey, I'll answer all your questions because I was really good today, and then not be there when you're when you're poor. Right, right. No, it's funny because if you've been around the game a long time, I've covered a lot of baseball. You, you know who's going to be available after a bad game and who's not <laughs> there. It's pretty, pretty consistent with the, with the guys that stick around and the guys that you, like you said, go and, and t- head to the trainer's room and wait for all the media to leave. And the fact that by Yeah. You know what, Tony, let me, let me throw another name in there too. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, go ahead. One, one that, that always comes to mind that I just have so much respect for. And not only because it, you know, uh, I, I'm going to get to work with Todd Jones, mm-hmm. but Todd Jones, was one of those guys I'll never forget. He got booed a lot by a lot of different people, you know, um, and 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 tough as closers. You you know usually do. They love you when you're saving games. You're going bad, boy. They they let you have it, you know. And never once did Todd Jones ever hide. And I used to tell him that I wouldn't see him a lot, but that was one of the biggest things that that I respected and and he was one of the ones that first jumped out at me is wow look at this this guy with he he he's there when he does well and he's right there when when he pitches uh, poorly so I I just he was one name that you know obviously had a great career with the Tigers and I just wanted to throw that out uh, also oh, that's a good that's a good example and you know it's just a character thing and it's uh, I, I appreciate the media appreciates it and I tell you I think the fans appreciate it you know the fans want to hear from these guys as well. Joan, Todd Jones was great. He never, you know, I think it helps when you don't take yourself too seriously. Todd Jones was the best. He used to just say, you know, if you don't want to watch me close, just, uh, you know, go to the fridge and have a sandwich. And when you come back, it'll be over one way or the other. We all have won or we'll have lost. So Jones always had a good way to keep things in perspective. So, uh, but Avi Baez is playing better too. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's notable. And, uh, you know, he cares. I, I, you know, that's, that's the thing I, I think fans might be coming to realize. I mean, these guys do care just because they're playing bad and they've had rough stretches. They do care. And I think you could tell that in his voice and in his comments after, after the benching and he was back the next day and he had some big hits the next three games. So interesting to keep an eye on there, but anyway, five game winning streak. Um, let's just talk. I want to talk a little bit about the rotation uh, of this team. You mentioned it earlier. They got to stay healthy. They've already lost Matt Manning, a fluke. The guy cannot catch a break. The fluke injury, getting hit on the foot. Um, but uh, one name, Eduardo Rodriguez, his last start to me. If this guy's big, I mean, he could help this team in so many different ways. He could help this team for years to come, or he could help this team at the trade deadline in August. Uh, but his last start, 10 strikeouts, eight innings, no runs. Last Tiger to do that, no walks. Um, the last Tiger to have 10 strikeouts, Eight innings, no walks was Max Scherzer in 2012. You have to like what you see from him so far. You know, I I, I do, and it and it started uh, in spring training. And you know, I I know I was asked to identify uh, three influential or three players that will have a big influence on this year's team. 
And Eduardo Rodriguez was one, Spencer Torkelson and Alex Lang were my three. But uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, um, because every team needs, and I won't say an ace or something like that, but every team needs a guy that every fifth day he takes the mound and he's going to go deep into a game, especially when you have so many pitchers that are going to be, their innings are going to be watched extremely close this year. The number of pitches are going to be be uh, watched extremely close. So you need a guy that you can, he's your horse. You know, it, it just, again, Jack Morris, he was that guy. You know, every fifth day you give him the ball, and you know what, he was going to go out there seven, eight, or nine innings. I don't, You know, some of them may have been ugly, you know, but he was going to give you seven, eight, or nine innings. You know, most of the time he was very, very good. So that's what I think they're leaning on Eduardo Rodriguez. But he finally, I think, has is healthy. He told me in spring training he got into some bad habits because of a knee injury in his delivery. So he's corrected a couple of things that have that have helped him. He's he's had a little bit of velocity. Um, I was in the clubhouse yesterday talking to both he and Tyler Alexander because um, Eduardo throws harder than Tyler Alexander, but they have similar styles in that they throw the four seam fastball the cutter the occasional two seam fastball and they have to spot or they have to execute so they have to do they have to throw their repertoire on the inside part to the right-handed hitters but they also have to throw it on the outside part and backdoor that cutter you know it's called crisscrossing or xing out the strike zone and eduardo rodriguez was just it was a pitching clinic by him the other day it was so fun to watch and then when he'd get ahead which you know a, a big emphasis is being, being put on and you're going to see the success of the starters based upon getting ahead and leverage counts but when he did that he'd elevate his fastball which was a great weapon and then just enough change-ups down and away from right-handed hitters to get them off of that fastball and to make that fastball appear even even harder but um Boy, just that was just an outstanding pitching clinic in that game against the Guardians. Yeah, it was it was impressive. And he has a tendency last year anyway, and throughout his career at times, tendency to kind of nibble the corners a little bit. And I thought that he was a lot more aggressive with the strike zone, which I think is what they're preaching with AJ Hinch and Scott Harris is to pound the strike zone, own the strike zone like they want to talk about offensively and pitching wise. And it was impressive. Um, he's your guy that I think you know what you're gonna get. Um, I think you're going to get some good stuff from him if he's healthy. The other, the rest of the rotation is where I think there's a little bit of concern. I think there's some talent there. There's been some flashes. I saw Joey Wentz pitch uh, the other day um, at Comerica Park. I think he's had 0-2 counts on the first nine hitters he faced. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen that before. Uh, it was just incredible. Um, so you, he, I like what I saw at times from him. Uh, and you've seen flashes from Boyd. Even Lorenzen's one start. Uh, you know, you saw a little bit here and there in Turnbull. I think you've seen it. You saw it early in yesterday's game. But there's still question marks with those four, right? And uh, I'm just curious, who out of those four, what have you seen from those four? And 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 are you as, I guess, are you as concerned as I am? I know these guys haven't pitched a lot of innings. And I think that's probably where my concern comes from. They didn't pitch a lot of innings last year. I'm just curious what you see from those four guys in the back end of this Tigers rotation. Yeah, and, and that's the biggest concern, Tony. You're right. Is is the innings, um, and it's going to be the the amount of stressful innings too. You know, if you got a couple of runners on and you're having to max effort every pitch while you're out there, 
you know, that, that tends to be a little bit tougher on your body, tougher on your arms. So that's going to be very, very much watched. And um, that's going to be interesting to see late in the year what they do and how they, they manage this rotation. But, you know, quickly going through them, I think Spencer Turnbull is going to, he's close. He's getting his delivery ironed out. Um, you can see him working on a little thing with his hips so he doesn't fly open and can command his two-seam and four-seam fastball, which basically is all he needs, and he just laughs about it. He goes, I know that I can win when those two pitches are right. I can I can get anybody out and, and, and beat any team. And But, you know, they're not always going to be there, so you have to have other pitches uh, to rely on. But he's very, very close. Um Michael Lorenzen, I, I was a little, I, I, I guess, not surprised, but, um, you know, his velocity, he was 96, 97. Um, and I think he just needs to iron out his secondary pitches, which he didn't have a whole heck of a lot of rehabilitation time or anything. Those are touch and feel kind of pitches. Um, so he'll have time to do that. Um, uh, in between starts and, and while he's playing catch. So that's what I would look forward to um, with him. And I think it's the same thing with Matthew Boyd. Matthew Boyd was ironing out some of uh, mechanical issues where he was flying open. He was losing the ball arm side on his fastball and also, you know, wasn't really getting through his slider a lot. So uh, he was better the last time out. So I think all those guys are um, are, are working through though. And, and I, I really – uh, you know, Joey Wentz, and maybe it's just because we haven't seen um, a, a ton of them, but I like what I see. And it's like, all right, you know, until he proves otherwise, I'm going to remain very optimistic on him because um, because of what I see in, in the potential with him. And, and Matt Manning, like you said, I mean, I just hope he doesn't miss too much time. He's going to have to get on a, a rehab stint and – you know they're going to watch his his delivery very closely because um, which they can do now with Robin Lund and the biomechanics just to make sure he doesn't alter his delivery because of that that broken foot. Mm-hmm. Um, you start altering your delivery and then you're going to run into arm issues. But this guy, um, after a so-so spring, he came out and and really looked confident. I'm I'm looking in his eye when he's pitching I'm like, this guy he believes in himself he he's he's no longer kind of man I'm not so sure about myself I'm not so sure about what pitch to throw I'm not sure if I'm good enough I mean he he really looked confident to me in his two starts and just hopefully he gets back soon without a big uh big rehabilitation and can get back to uh <coughs> excuse me a good uh, a good solid season Right. Dan Peachy joining us here with from Valley Sports Detroit. Uh, that's a good point. You know, people, all, you know, worry about arm injuries and rightfully so, but it can be tougher sometimes for a pitcher to come back from a foot injury like that because of, you know, where you're landing and, you know, where, I mean, it, it can alter your delivery. And so that is a concern. And as far as Wentz, look, if you were once one of the better prospects in the Atlanta Braves organization, uh, you've got some talent because that's a pretty good organization with a pretty good track. Yeah developing especially recently um for him it's all about command and that's why um you know you you wonder who's going to buy in right to this new philosophy it's scott harris and aj hinch they're both on board it's all about the strike zone and um joey wentz 
I mean, 0-2 on the first nine batters. I mean, yeah, he gave up a home run, ended up giving a home run on the seventh or eighth or ninth pitch to, you know, the first Giants batter that he faced, um, but then finished really strong. Um, so you have to like what you see from him. Um, these guys will probably be stretched out a little bit more. That was a bigger concern for me early in the season. I even asked Chris, might they go to a six-man rotation early in the season? Because these guys are all, you go right down the list, none of them pitched very many innings last year or zero innings last year in the case of Turnbull. Um, and so I, I was curious about that, but then I was like, all right, well, they're going to have to rely on the bullpen and the bullpen loses Michael Bull, or uh, Michael Fulmer. They lose, uh, you know, um, uh, they lost a bunch. I mean, from that bullpen last year, that was pretty good. And a lot of unproven's this year and the bullpen has been phenomenal. I mean, the last week, um, they, they haven't given up hardly anything and, uh, that's been impressive to see. Um, and they need it. They do, and yeah, you're, you're, you're Joe Jimenez and uh, Gregory Soto and Andrew Chapin. Andrew Chapin, um, those, those are four name. big names, yeah. you know that that they lost. But but the guy that's really impressed me is is Jason Foley. Mm -hmm. His his ability now, I mean, it, the stuff has always been there, but he's he's locating his fast i mean he's throwing 98 99 miles an hour i mean there's an uptick in his velocity but he's he's able now to throw his fastball to his glove side so he's able instead of just sinking the ball away to lefties all the time sink it away sink it away sink it away he's able to come inside on left-handers and the same thing to right-handers he's able to instead of that ball leaking over the inside part of the plate on right-handers, now he can kind of, you know, throw it back door or on the outside part of the plate, that swing back fastball that catches that outside part of the plate. The other pitch to Jose Ramirez to end the game for his first career save was a wonderful changeup that had Jose Ramirez, one of the best hitters in the game, completely fooled. So he's one of those guys. And, and Mason Englert, this guy for a rookie and a Rule 5 guy that pitched in A-ball, I mean, the way he – believes in himself and and uh, his confidence level and the ability to bounce back after after you know giving giving up some damage and everything uh, and, and 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 just talking to him I said it's so impressive but I said and plus you have good stuff you know so he's still learning but but if you've got that mindset that he does and that confidence that he does to go along with the stuff, you know, the more he gets out there and the more, you know, he he has success, you know, he's only going to continue to get better, I think, you know, unless unless the league adjusts to him or something. But, you know, there's just been a lot of guys that have jumped out to me um, early in the year, but uh, none none more than Jason Foley. Man, I, I just really looking forward to watching how his season develops. Right. Mason Englert, of course, he came into that Joey Wentz game, gave up the home run, the tying home run right away, and then went on to pitch. Yep really good innings uh, to keep them in the game and, and allow them to walk it off. All right. We got a few minutes left. Let's do a few rapid fires here while I have you. I appreciate you joining us. Um, first, the Giants game the other day was postponed. There was a five, five hour rain delay. First, what do you, what are the, what did you guys do during your rain delays when you didn't have cell phones to look at the whole time you were in there? And what was the longest rain delay you could remember? Great question. And I asked the guys, uh, that yesterday, what what they did, it hasn't changed anything. I mean, they did the same thing as we did. They watched TV. Some of them took naps. Some of them played cards. 
uh, yeah, we didn't have cell phones. They probably got on there a little bit, but um, uh, I mean, all those all those years and eras that have gone by doesn't sound like much has changed between uh, between what you do during a rain delay. Um, I, I I can't remember ever going through one that long. Right. Um, and then having the game. There was one. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. but you know what? I mean, they, I mean, we were, I, I don't know if you were down there or not, but we kept, I mean, we were under the impression this thing is going to be played. There is no doubt that this game right. is going to be played. That was the mindset of the players because if they're in there and they're starting to say, well, this game's going to get called. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a bad attitude to have to try to, especially Matthew Boyd was supposed to pitch that game. And if, if, if that's a bad attitude to have where I'm, I'm going to get rained out here. And then all of a sudden you've got to turn it on and go out and get loose and go out and, and, and pitch a major league game. So um, that was well done by AJ by going in there and saying, uh, we're playing, we're playing, keeping, keeping the guys on edge. So they, uh, they'd be ready in case of win. Right. Well, if they, if they did play, I mean, all right. So the rain delay lasted five hours. And then to make up a doubleheader or to do a doubleheader against the Indians took four hours and 20 some minutes because of this new pitch clock we have in Major League Baseball. 15 seconds to pitch with nobody on base, 20 seconds to pitch. Look, when this came out, I'm a baseball purist. I was bitching and moaning about this. I said, you know, I've never <laughs> seen I've never seen fans at the ballpark saying, oh, this game's taking too long. You know, I just didn't see the need. I got to say. We're 17 games into it from the Tigers' perspective. I didn't know I needed the pitch clock in my life, but I think I did. I'm glad you've uh, come around because um, it was it was getting for me. Um, I, I don't want to say unwatchable. I mean that's that's but but it was some games were getting extremely hard to watch when they're when they're four hours you know long. The the part that really bothered me was in the postseason where yes every pitch matters and and it and it's exciting and everything but when you're going three and a half hours four hours on the biggest stage and and this is your biggest showcase and these games start late at night I mean who can stay up and watch these things or you know keep your attention focused big. on 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 when when nothing is happening you know that's that was the biggest issue and why they made those changes was because there wasn't anything happening for ten, five, 10 minutes on end. There no action whatsoever. And that's why they put it in. And that's I'm not saying that every game has to be a, a, an hour and 50, but no. think about the players, how much they like it because they talk about it's easier on their body. Now they're able to get home and get rested and especially play two games, a double header they'd be wiped out the next day. But because it was a little over four hours for, for two games, they can get home, get proper rest, and it's going to be much better on their bodies throughout a 162-game uh, schedule. For sure. And last one, really quickly, I mentioned this earlier today, is the 111th birthday of uh, Nabin Field, which became Tiger Stadium. You spent most of your career there. Uh, outside of winning the championship in 84, your favorite memory of Tiger Stadium? You know what? I, I think – um, and this is the first thing that popped into my mind was in 1984, I pitched um, a game against the Indians. Uh, they were known as the Indians back then. And I had a no hitter uh, through seven and two thirds innings and ended up giving a hit, giving up a hit. But I was interviewed after the game by Al Kaline and somebody snapped a picture 
of me talking to Al Kaline, and that picture is still in my mom's house out in California, the house that I grew up in. And uh, that that's a pretty special moment. I would say also, I guess another one that popped into my head was pitching the home opener in 1984, going nine innings, beating the Texas Rangers, and getting to walk off the field on – on the home opener uh, and shaking everybody's hand was certainly a big, big thrill. Yeah, sure. 84 was amazing. Uh, I'm going to be 40 years next year. Can't believe that. Um, you know, I think about 84 a lot. You guys started 35 and five, just to put that in perspective, the Tampa Bay Rays started 13 and zero, and still would have had to go 22 and five to match 30, 35 and five, which is just absolutely incredible. Dan Petrie, Valley Sports Detroit, I really appreciate you joining us today on the Tigers Today podcast. For everyone listening, check out previous episodes online. You can check out Chris McCoskey's work all week long, DetroitNews.com, as the Tigers go to Baltimore for three, then they go to Milwaukee for three. Milwaukee, by the way, great old stadium there, county stadium. The Tigers and Brewers was a great rivalry back in the day. I'm glad they're going to be playing every year every year now. And then the Tigers come home. Uh, to play a four-game set against the Orioles. Dan, Petrie, I appreciate you joining us. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. Yeah, enjoyed it, Tony. You uh, take care, and I'll see you at the ballpark. All right, Dan. Thanks a lot.